This is the Zach Ansbury Show. Welcome. On today's podcast clip, we have the head of marketing of the Collingwood Football Club, Karina Whiteford. How do you um? How do you then? Uh, pick up on, I don't know, latest trends that are going in sport, whether mm-hmm. it's Australia or globally. Are there conferences that you attend mm. um, or uh, organisations that you're a part of um, yeah. that sort of keep you up to date? Yeah, well, there's a, I mean, there's um, league, industry, a whole bunch of different um, conferences and networking opportunities and certainly from league point of views for netball and football, they're really keen on showing information and, and making sure that they're providing um, us with the best information and, and practices and, and ways of working. Um, so we do get exposed to that um, a lot and I think there's a lot of it around. Um, and I certainly – I like to sort of think a little bit differently. I'm, I, again, don't like going down the beaten track <laughs> and doing what is expected. So I prefer to think about, um, you know, like merchandise sales and things like that and looking at what e-commerce businesses are doing. Okay? Okay. Well, what are they doing that's working for them? can we adapt that to what our operation is rather than going, what a sport doing for selling merchandise? Mm. So uh, probably a little bit different in that sense um, and much more want things that are working already. Okay. So, so you look outside of your specific industry. Yes. Yeah, yeah which I think is Absolutely. pretty healthy to do. Yeah. Um, and that's just interesting as well because you just, I don't know, I think it, agility is key. You, you kind of can't just expect that the same things are going to work forever and um, – yeah, especially with sport, like you can't expect that it's going to be the favourite way to spend time forever as well. So how can we make sure that we're doing the best things in the, in the areas that we're connecting to customers because they're experiencing e-commerce. Mm. Um, so when we're selling merchandise, we should be looking and feeling like, you know, their favourite clothing store or something like that. I think that's really interesting that you just said that because it just made me think about your competition, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not... Mm-hmm other clubs know, in a right? sense because, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know the research, but I think the reason people would change supporting football clubs or maybe adopt a second one is moving state because mm-hmm. it's difficult to then follow your team if you're not in the state. Yeah. Um, but you're actually competing for time. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so your and competition is other activities as well, yeah, in, including sitting on the couch. Absolutely, <laughs> and it's something that um, – I've had a lot of conversations with different people about as well, like both internally and externally is just that, that the, the future of experience, regardless of if it's sport or music festivals or whatever it is, is that FOMO is the main driver mm. of behavior. And I'm just speaking out of, you know, what I am feeling. There's no data behind what I'm saying. Um, but the commitment is like the biggest issue and it probably plays into your loyalty stuff in the FMCG sort of space. But like commitment is the the biggest challenge for us is like, we can't expect that everyone will want to spend every home game that we have with us every single time. That will not be a behavior that is sustainable. So what does that mean? Um, And that's certainly why I like to think outside of sport to go, well, how are other people navigating this challenge? How can we set ourselves up? in the way that that navigates that um and yeah and that's where my interest lies is in that sort of the research around that sort of behavioral what are we expecting moving forward and I don't think that's unique to experiences I mean it's unique to to people and their feelings but 
we see it in dating now. Like it's almost like dating is gamified. So commitment, like, I don't know, I'm 30 years old, so I'm speaking on behalf of me. But, um, but like even the fact is like people are afraid of committing because there might be something better because it's so easy to find something better. So why would people say, yeah, I'm going to come to 10 or 11 home games and I'm always going to be there regardless of the day and time. Mm. If they they can find something else to do so much quicker that they might perceive to be a better, exactly what you're saying, a better use of their time. And because you you are committed, like if you don't yeah. attend, like because I can't make the first game for the yeah. season against yeah. Sydney, I am a little bit sad about it. Um, <laughs> but um, but I'm still paying for it. Yeah. And so I could I could on sell my ticket, but that doesn't feel right. So I usually just give it to a friend or a family member, mm. and they'll go in my seat but I'm still committed to the game. And I yeah. think clubs have tried to address it with sort of three-game memberships, so you're kind of like dipping mm. your toe in. I wonder if there'll be any moves towards like six-game memberships or something like that. Well, uh, yeah, look, I think the world is kind of our oyster and I'm speaking broadly in sport in the sense of until we have someone that can prove there's sort of uh, uh, behaviour or ways of predicting how mm. this is going to go, we're just everyone's going to try things until it seems right and it works for them. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, you. My guess is that sport in itself will be the ways in which you can interact with it will be so proliferated because we'll have to be available at every single point in time on the basis that someone will want to engage with us on their time. The same way that Netflix works, like you know, you pay for the subscription because you want to have the access, but you want to be able to choose when you watch mm. it and how you watch it if that's your laptop or your phone or whatever that is. So I, I am thinking that that's the way forward for sport as well is that actually going to the game on a Saturday at 2 p.m. or whatever it might be will be, become something that sort of seems inflexible to what is a, a, a generation demanding flexibility on their time. It is one of the – it is holding strong for now, right? Because mm. – and I think it's just true of all live events. Yes. And I think that's one of the reasons that – um, you know, some shows still do have high audiences. It's because it is shown live, and you want to be mm. part of watching it. Yeah. If, if you if you don't watch a game, you're like, I'm going to watch it later, mm. and then you know the score already. Well, yeah. you don't you don't go and watch the game. And yeah. even if you do watch the game delayed, and you don't know the score, it still doesn't have that sense of anticipation Absolutely. and excitement about it. So, sport seems to have like this real ability to mm. to be able to hold that. How would sport become more flexible, though? It's not like you can just get you I know, don't know. these teams Honestly, to show up when you, you want. if you can tell me, <laughs> if you could research it and, and feed back to me, that would yeah. be great. But I think the one thing that makes it so unpredictable and so like you just become so curious about it is because it's emotive. Yeah. And how do you control emotions? Like I honestly, like, that is the one thing that is the, I think that's the one compelling reason why sport has, has been – consistent i guess um for lack of a better word but people are invested emotionally invested in the outcome mm. is that everyone now that interacts with sport i don't know i know that we certainly have those people like yourself that are sad about missing round one because you you like that feeling of feeling invested in some mm. unknown outcome 
and you don't, you don't know the, the idea of not knowing what's going to happen is, is really compelling mm. to sort of go, Oh, I don't know how this is going to happen. It's a new season, new team or whatever it might be. We've got these players in and yeah. we'll see how they gel. Yeah. There's so many different factors, yes. but they're so emotive. Like and you, you don't know how it's going to turn out. And you can <laughs> even, even the people that are like crazy with super coach and things or, or whatever it might be where they try and analyze everything and predict how things are going to go. Some games just don't work out. No. And I think the unpredictability is what is both the blessing and the curse <laughs> for people like me who are, are trying to achieve, you know, certain outcomes because you just don't. And, and that's what pe- that's why people attend, I think, is because it's an emotional connection to mm. the game, the outcome, a player or whatever it might be, or going with your dad or your mum or your kids to the game. It becomes an emotional experience. Um, yeah, so how do you... How do you measure and predict that moving forward? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but it'll be exciting to find out. Um, yeah, and I think that's probably where my my love of brand really connects me to sport as well is the fact that there is power in sport in terms of it being emotive, but then how, did, how your brand can really play into that space. So how can you drive that emotion? How can you... Um, develop it in someone that didn't know or doesn't care, perceptively doesn't care. So how do you solve those those really, those challenges and get them to connect with you emotionally? Hmm. It's probably hidden away somewhere in a <laughs> sports marketing journal. <laughs> probably. <laughs> You'll uh, probably send, need to do some research and we might actually be able to solve that send one. Send Heath but. an email. <laughs> <laughs> There's another guy. So just returning back to the concept of sport competing, not just against I mean, yes. I don't think they compete just against other sports. Mm. It's not like, um, you know, as football, I'm competing against soccer, I'm competing against cricket, I'm competing mm. against tennis, but like I'm competing against concerts or, or yeah. going to a movie or mm. there's a, a researcher in um, London. He's from Kingston University. His name's Chris Hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's had a look at this as well. It's kind of like competition for leisure time. Yes. And it is very predictable, right, mm-hmm. based on um, things that we see in consumer good wow. like markets, like the same okay. patterns, double jeopardy, duplication of purchase. Yeah. Um, the loyalty towards these activities and the competition between them is is predictable. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, you got so some research to do now. So it hasn't been done in Australia, though, yet. Yeah, okay. Um, so it, I can't remember the exact data that he used, but... It's an interesting paper. If you remind mm. me, I can send it to you. Yeah, it's one that would do. actually be worth reading. Yeah, um, I'll make sure I switch off my brain or switch on my brain <laughs> after work for that one. <laughs> yeah, I'll just read it through work hours. That's work, so I think <laughs> it it's totally fine. R and D, whatever you call it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So you've got twenty season twenty twenty coming up. By the yes. time people listen to this, it'll almost be over. Yes. Um, I don't know, how much can you share about, like, do you have exciting things for this year um, um, or or what have you learned from last year or? Well, I think for me personally, I am really excited about 2020 um, only because I just, I'm feeling really good about where I am and the impact I can have and the trust I have and the relationships I have. So I'm excited personally about the things we'll be able to deliver this year or and the business, the team, everything. So I'm excited about that because I think it's it's a I don't know. There's there seems to be a good energy around the the projects we're working on, um, the vision we have for 
how we're speaking to customers and the sort of insights we're getting from them. And yeah, I'm, I'm broadly excited. I, can't, I don't want to share too much in yep. case it's all. Um, but yeah, certainly I'm excited about the, the growth I'll see in myself and the exposure I'll have to new projects as well. So. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be exciting to watch. Yeah, so hopefully it will be all good things. <laughs> we've, um... Hey guys, it's Zach Ainsbury here with just a couple of quick reminders. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, then make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. There are plenty more interviews to come with some of the world's leading marketing academics and practitioners. You do not want to miss these. In the meantime, if you're looking for another way to connect, then follow me on Twitter at Zach Ainsbury. That is Z-A-C-A-N-E-S-B-U-R-Y for my take on the marketing issues of the day.